0: Welcome back to Six Picks Music Club, a music podcast for people who lie to their doctors about their alcohol consumption. Hey, y'all, welcome back to another episode of Six Picks Music Club. It's me, Dave. As always, here with me is Jeffro. What's And Russ. What's up? And today we're delving into the world of secret songs, hidden tracks on albums and records and things. Before we get started, we we gotta get a password. What's the password this week, Fredo?
1: Is it Stanky Jankum? Stanky Jankum.
0: <laughs> yes, that's. You got the memo. That's great. All right, let's open up the door. Come on in, listener. Get into the corners. Find yourself a seat. Find your comfortable space. <laughs> Bro, uh, you have some special news, right? You're growing your your team?
1: I'm growing my brood. My wife is heavy with her third papoose. Congratulations, (laughs) dude. We're super excited for you.
0: Listeners excited,
2: too. Congratulations, Jeff.
1: Thanks, guys. So... I was recently visiting my hometown and I discovered something that I hadn't thought about before which is that the only time it's okay really to talk to your mom about sex is when you're a teenager you're announcing a pregnancy oh okay what don't we know about your upbringing dude <laughs> okay so you're you're you're
0: back home and you're you're telling your mom about your your method yeah so I was
1: like mom uh, there's there's some excitement but uh, you know, we're pregnant with our third kid. And she was like, Oh my gosh, when did that happen? And I was like, Well, we were on a trip and uh the other two kids were with uh, their their other grandparents and you know, uh we had some time alone and, and she's like, Oh yeah, and one thing led to another, huh? And you know, you uh Got in there and uh, like, what, (laughs) what are you talking about? Yes, (laughs) but and then she's like, no, but oh no, like, when specific on what date was it? And I was like, uh, I don't know, it was like. May 17th or to the 20th and there she's like when specifically did you penetrate <laughs> and then and so it just keeps escalating they want so many details about the making of the child oh I
0: remember those days man
1: we were on the elevator her apartment and I was letting her off and then she was like well thank you so much for making another grandbaby for me and I was like no problem mom I was thinking of you and I did it oh. <laughs> and then no. she felt weird <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) then she felt weird guys it's funny
0: like when i my wife and i first got married there was there's that question because we didn't have our first kid for a couple of years after we got married and uh you know inevitably it always comes up at, at some holiday or whatever where they're like oh are you guys trying yet and uh we decided just to kind of flip it back and say well we do try regularly yes we we tried earlier today we tried this morning and I think we have a plan to try later this afternoon after after supper.
1: In the guest bed.
0: Right, right. In <laughs> in, in the Hey mom, I meant to ask are the sheets clean up there? They're not anymore. <laughs> Still the Superman sheets on the twin bed from my youth. And then my younger brother's like, Yeah, it doesn't work in the butt. <laughs> Before we get into it though, like let's talk a little bit about like hidden tracks and secret songs and like how they started and and like why artists use them. What's your take on that?
1: I was thinking about this, man. It was a phenomenon that was limited to compact discs, which were little spinny things. And tapes, I guess, cassette tapes. Before that, I would even caveat that it goes back even further. You gonna go to the Beatles? Well,
0: yeah. So the Beatles, like, they, uh, they, they have a couple of tracks where they've got, um, you know, hidden things. Like they've got messages that are backwards. They've got uh, what they call they would press a double groove on the vinyl. So depending on where you drop the needle, you would like get one song or another.
1: No shit. I did not know that.
0: Or there would be like a lock groove at the end where it would play just like a not turn off. So, and it's funny because like when Jack White started his record plant or whatever and started putting out his own records, he did um, a record where it had a double groove intro to one of the songs. And depending on where you drop the needle, you either got the acoustic guitar version or you got the electric guitar version. And so that was kind of a cool little thing. But
1: that's not what we're talking about, Dave. That's bending the (laughs) concept. (laughs) Okay. Well, then you let us know. You let us know. Secret songs were songs that usually followed the final track on a record that was on a compact disc. You go to the final track on the CD, listen to it, and instead of starting over, it would just curiously continue playing. And you're like, uh-oh. What's going on
0: here? It's like it's just quiet?
1: Yeah, just quiet, dead air. And sometimes minutes would pass by, and then you get a song. Or sometimes a couple of songs that the artist would embed minutes after the final track on the record. And we all knew these as secret songs. This is what millennial people call Easter eggs on things. (laughs) Um, I don't really... Want to call it that. I don't really like that that much. Um, I like Secret Song. So there were a lot of Secret Songs in the 1990s on compact disc records. Um, and
2: we're selecting six of them for this EP. There's an Oasis album from O2. There's a song called Better Man at the end. And there's a 30 minute space before the song called The Cage that follows it. What? Holy Majoli. And if you go to Spotify, that track is 38 minutes long. They didn't cut it. Is there any
1: band that were that were just meaner to their fans They just bullied their fans around more than Oasis? It's like, like, okay, we all like their music, but they just the guy would go up there, Liam Gallagher, and just stand still with his hands behind his back and sing the songs and make us all want it more. Yeah, whatever.
0: It's good stuff, though. It's good music. Yeah, I love Oasis. I love them, too. All right, well, so who wants to kick us off today? Uh, Jeff, you want to you wanna take
1: our lead? My secret songs have in common that they're uncharacteristic for the bands, which is, I think, what secret songs were sometimes about, um, is that, hey, we wrote the song that we like that's kind of awesome, or we, like, we want to record this song that we like that's kind of awesome, but it doesn't fit our brand. It doesn't fit who we're supposed to be as a band. So instead of, you know instead of just leaving it off or releasing it on a B-Sides record in the future, we'll just make it a secret song at the end, a little gem for people to happen upon, a little treasure chest. Uh, So both of my songs are like that. The first one is by Stone Temple Pilots, friend, off of the record Purple. Yes. Released, I believe, in 1994. You can fact check me on that. I love this record. Yeah, Purple is Stuntable Pilots' second record, and it takes uh, the the hard, cranking, crunching, grinding rock of the first album and tunes it down a notch and with some more acoustic vibes, uh, but it's still rockin'. Uh, there's, no, there's no doubt that Purple still rocks. On the back of the compact disc, and on the back of... I have this on vinyl, too. It says, Twelve Gracious Melodies. But oh, wow. there are only eleven songs. Huh. What a curious thing. Curiouser and curiouser. <laughs> the eleventh song is called Kitchenware and Candy Bars. And great song. You listen to that song, and then there's the curious silence that follows after the eleventh song. What are we gonna get? What are we is there something here? And it slips into a lounge song called My Second Album. The second album
0: Twelve precious melodies Worth listening Hope you enjoy them Like if it's sung to me
1: Listen to Got some crooning on the part of frontman Scott Weiland, and uh, he he name drops Johnny Mathis, and it sounds like a real celebration, and like they're fun and around with their second record. They're all pumped about you know recording this thing. Um, and in the in the song, it says "singing by a wishing well." Right? Um, it turns out that this is not an original song. By them, but it was actually a cover of a song from 1985 that was recorded by an autistic crooner named Richard Peterson, and one of them happened upon Richard Peterson's album, and they really liked it. He had the first song on his second album was called My Second Album, and it's the song, and so they got a hold of the guy oh, that's hilarious. I had no idea. Yeah, I know they got a hold of the guy and requested permission and he of course granted it and so they put it as their uh they put it as their secret song and then they started i thought it was scott peterson or richard peterson that was actually singing it is it not him actually singing it i don't think so i think it's scott wyland singing it i could be wrong about that but they opened a lot of their shows with the my second album song uh so he does do a live version of it at least This album went double platinum. It sold two million copies, which is wild to think about. Dude, I got to fact check you again, man. This record sold six
0: million copies.
1: Shit. So... Uh, this the story <laughs> though is after the first million, the, Richard Peterson made ten thousand dollars, and after the second one, he made twenty thousand dollars, and he kept getting paid ten thousand dollars each million they sold. And I guess I just was reading a story from after the two million album mark. Oh, okay. So yes, I guess he made sixty grand off of this, which is pretty great for a guy that nobody has really heard of much. Um, you know, who got his song on the Stuntable Pilots record in this, in the secret spot.
0: He was like this street artist that just loved Johnny Mathis and (laughs) loved that whole style. It's so fucking
1: funny. And that's why he goes like, like Johnny Mathis, for Mathis lovers, this album has his style.
0: So, is it on the vinyl? Is it is it in the run out
1: track? How does the vinyl work? I meant to do that research before the step. I don't know. Okay, <laughs> isn't that terrible? All listeners in suspense now. Uh, is it on the vinyl? To be continued. <laughs> This speaks to another sad truth, though, which is that whenever I'm listening to my records, because I have two children and a third on the way, um, I really only get through side A. I don't even listen to side B most of the time because there's just not time. Like, I'll play side A when we're getting ready for school in the morning, and then I pull the needle off, and then that that was listening to that record that day. Sad. It's a sad story. Do you talk sexy to it when you pull it off?
0: No? you just you just do it dry
1: just uh, pull it dry oh uh, yeah just
2: well i mean i think i think he tried spitting in his hand once but fucked it
0: up so atlantic is the studio that uh or the label that this is on this year is the 75th anniversary of atlantic records and uh this uh stone temple pilots record and the the first record core. Uh, yeah, thank you, are uh, being remastered from the original tapes. And it looks like kitchenwares and candy bars are listed as a single track, so we will see if Analog Productions presses the full three minutes of silence in between those two songs. Yeah, it's a long one. Awesome. Well, no, it brought back some great memories. This is a CD that I got when I was uh, a a wee lad. I got this one in the Pearl Jam Vitology album at the same time. Uh, Another great record of that era. You were wee at some point? Yeah, I was wee. I was wee. Huh. It's hard to believe. Now I'm, now I'm, now I'm me. I'm more of a. You take that we and you flip it upside down. The W because of the mass, you add the mass, and so the W goes to an M. Thanks, thanks. That's a good fat joke dick. I didn't even make a fat joke. I just, yeah, that's, you're right. You're right. That's how it occurred to me. So I I appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Sensing a bit of self-consciousness, which is (laughs) self-consciousness that you deserve because when we were a young man, you were very thin and you're an adorable actor. And I was always chubby and used to relentlessly make fun of how hefty I was. That is true. And now we have about equal heft. So that's on you, bro. That's That's fair. I'm comfortable in my fat skin.
0: I think our calf to ankle ratio is still very different, though.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, I still rock the cankles. (laughs) Yeah, somebody said once I have cabbage patch doll legs, which (laughs) it's accurate, and it was the birth of a complex for me. My second song, I'll just go ahead and steam through, is uh, from the Scottish band Travis. Travis is the man who released 1999. There's a secret song called... Blue flashing lights
2: Pushed you aside As you staggered inside Spitting
1: alcohol over the floor A storm is a brew And it's sure to fall soon As I look at you from
2: the shore So you better hold on Cause it's Saturday night And your friends are all out And you feel like shit Cause they never called you
1: the man who is a great album that i've listened to a google of times if you will and um for all of those of you who have listened to the man who we got a real smooth record um yeah a lot of a lot of strumming a lot of easy rhymes uh but catchy is all get out i mean these are just excellent pop songs of the late 1990s and what we were getting during that time we've talked about this before in in the u.s was just like limp biscuit and and new metal and so i i jumped ship off of rock and roll for a while i went all the way to glasgow to get my music and found travis there some great songs on this album why does it always rain on me turn driftwood etc after all that like just smooth, perfectly produced rock and roll music, there's this song that is, it's kind of a gritty song about uh, a real problem in Scotland at the time, which is domestic abuse. This is a song about domestic abuse and about blue flashing lights that show up when the police arrive after an abusive father has come home drunk and uh, basically like tormented his family and it's written from the perspective of a a neighbor who's watching this go down um but what i what i dig about this is that travis is sweet to the point of almost being like twee would be a word that you might use for it and this is them saying like no we could write about the real stuff on the street You know, we've we had a hard (laughs) upbringing just like everybody else. And we've seen some stuff Um, and it's and it's a rocker, like it makes you feel it. And so it's like uh, blue flashing lights last Saturday night brought the neighbors out on the street. And and the chorus is like, no, they never called you. They never called you. And they're, you know, they're they're getting into it. And so, um, yeah, yeah. So I've always really liked this one. It shows that uh, Travis can write different kinds of songs if they want to. Uh, Fran Healy, the the lead guy, um, can can belt. So, uh, Nigel
0: Godrich produced this record of Radiohead fame there.
1: The sixth member of Radiohead.
0: I like to think that he's just in the studio with them saying like, y- you guys, you gotta do song that's got a little more balls to it. It's just, this is too sad and sappy, you gotta look like, get a rocker going. <laughs> Come on, like it's not all fucking
1: <laughs> rain. I don't know why he's like he's like fucking Bill Nye or something. <laughs> he's like a young British man from Oxford. He's not he's like I've never met him. Yeah. Received pronunciation. Yeah, he's he's going to have received pronunciation. I'm pretty sure. I've never heard I've never heard Nigel Nigel Godrich speech. Have you speak? Have you? I have not. I've not heard him speech. <laughs> I've not heard him speech, idiot. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Somebody else talk about their picks. Let's talk about these other ones. Uh, yeah, Russ, what do you got? Dude. You, uh, my first what pick. just came out of your body? <laughs> Is that
2: like a. Did something fling out?
1: No, I, I just heard like a. It sounded like a belch. Yeah, I heard a belch.
2: Oh, it wasn't about no. So it was probably sorry. It's a cough. Um, we just found out uh, as we started this. I told Dave earlier I'm not feeling well. That uh, that I'm doing this on the flu oh. right now. So oh oh yeah, flu guy. S- so my brain's a little foggy, and uh, yeah, things might be coming out of my body. Sorry. So
0: listener, we are we are hot social distancing over the internet <laughs> as we record. So do not fear for our lives. Is as-
1: yeah, I like watching other people have the flu. But they're not in the same room as me. That's actually one of my, um, it's, it's like a fetish that I have.
2: I have a room. You find the ones where people are just sickly on there. and
1: <laughs> Yeah, just a bunch of people hacking with the flu. And uh, I have a little, a little channel. Um... I'm sure there are people that'd be into that. Just like the Munchausen by proxy people are like, oh, this is the best. Oh, yeah. You're so sick. I love it. This is so hot. Oh.
0: <laughs> I feel like such a good mom. I would take such good care of you. I would take
1: so good care of these sick babies.
0: So anyways,
2: <laughs> patient zero, what do All you right. got for us today? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. So uh, my first pick is from Pennywise, the uh, the 90s punk band. Yeah. From their uh, sophomore album from 1993 called Unknown Road, which is uh, quintessential SoCal hardcore. Um, the hidden track is called Slow Down. What you feel, so now, What you to do? you from me? who you be? They remastered the album in 2005. And I can't verify this from this for the CD, but um, the song is now missing from the streaming version of this album, so you have to find it somewhere else. Okay. Um, like they just, they just completely cut it. So yeah, when yeah. we're talking about the STP reissue, it's quite possible they're going to cut it. Anyway, um, uh, you can find the same version from the album on a 1995 compilation called Punk Sucks, and then they re-released the song in 2014 on their 11th studio album called Yesterday's. Which is a collection of songs written by their bassist, Jason Thursk, who died of an accidental self-inflicted gunshot wound. So apparently, uh, in 96, apparently not a uh, suicide or maybe a suicide. It seemed like it was accidental, but he was also depressed. Just play in with the gun. Maybe. Yeah, I don't know. That recording's a little different. They, uh, It's it's definitely a remastered version. The song is much clearer than the original. But there's this crowd element that was going through the original that like of people talking in the background background and like hooting and hollering but they just took all that out. No,
0: so the Pennywise thing is interesting because like I I love how this track starts. It's like it's got a really escalating kind of drum hit that goes into the guitars and then it just kind of kicks off but like when you talk about the original version because I couldn't find it I had to like get a YouTube of it or whatever and Right. uh cuz I had the the yesterday's version and they are different. It's like the crowd element sort of plays into I think one of the things that is so dynamic about punk rock in general is that that live show element and like Pennywise is one of those bands that that led the way for for a lot of punk I think that like people now look at some of their stuff and say like oh you know it just all kind of sounds the same or or whatever but like I think it's sort of like talking about TV sitcoms and 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 saying that and, and then watching Seinfeld and saying well you know everybody else is kind of doing that well they're doing it now but like Seinfeld did it first. Pennywise did it first, so it's
2: right. uh, it's interesting. I think this is the best song on the album, which is funny because uh, you know it was a secret track. And this song
1: jams, dude. This
2: is a, this song fucking rocks they never went mainstream. Pennywise never went mainstream, um, but they do have a worldwide following solidifying them in the punk underground scene. They've been active for th- over 35 years. They have 12 studio albums. Uh, they were one of the original bands in the rock against Bush campaign that came out. There was like a, a two volume.
1: Yeah. They just, uh, really don't like pubic here across the board, <laughs> uh, <laughs> on anyone. And, um, And I think that, you know, they're ahead of their time. 25 years later, I think we can all look back and see them as, like,
2: seminal. (laughs) Real pioneers. (laughs) Just blazing a path. So it was uh, the rock against George W. Bush. Oh, George. George W.
0: Bush. That's the Bush. Yeah, right, right,
2: right. So they generally have like this kind of overall positive viewpoint and like motivation with their lyrics. but in the beginning, their aggressive music attracted a lot of racist and violent fans after like the, after the first album and uh, and the association just like a confused <clears throat> singer Jim Lindbergh he should change his name to Lim Jimberg <laughs>
1: Lem Jimberg is better. Anyway, I'm sorry, go ahead.
2: That's stupid. That doesn't make any sense. He's so uh, he was quoted as saying, it goes to show you how stupid people are. We had a, a logo of a P and a W, and they said that stands for white power. It, and he says, uh, we made it very obvious in our shows that people should take pride in who they are, not because of their skin color. Hate is so diametrically opposed to everything we stand for. And then he was so disgusted by it that he ended up leaving the band. He told the LA Times, I took a look at myself and said, what am I doing here? I have such an aversion to this type of behavior, violence and hate mongering, and I'm stuck in the middle of it as if I'm the spokesperson for it.
1: It's always been an issue for like punk artists to separate the the mode, which is violent from the message, which isn't necessarily fascist. Some punks are fascist. There are proper boot wearing you know skinhead nazi fascist punks like uh you know and, and they were always mixed in with who are like anti-racist progressive punks and so i think you could see that difference between like uh the sex pistols crowd was kind of the fascist crowd and the clashes yep. crowd was the like reggae loving anti-racist that also liked punk music but that's always been an issue is like like the clash had white riot was one of their songs and some people misinterpreted that as being like pro white rioting and that's not what it was it was a criticism but you you know what i'm saying is that it's always been a, a
2: a problem oh for sure Real quick, the, the guitarist from Pennywise. Well, first off, he's got this thing where he just ends up getting really drunk and just pukes on people. He pukes all over the crowd. He just pukes like this is a thing with him, apparently. He goes to Loveline and he's like eating pizza and shooting tequila. Ugh. They're going through the show and they hear like a cough and he pukes all over the console. And then at this point, he's so trash. I guess he just starts chasing people around and puking on him. And he corners Dr. Drew and he's like sticking his fingers down his throat. <laughs> all over him dr drew has to hit him in the head and climb on a bookshelf to get oh god (laughs) to get away from him anyway they they invite him back four years later to love line and this time adam Carolla's in there with him and uh he he barricades he's like six five this huge and he barricades they're in the small room barricades himself at the door and threatens that he's got this non-existent grenade and then he tells adam carolla that he's gonna take him to poo poo city and he's it starts threatening that he's gonna make him eat his shit well speaking of shit <laughs> <laughs> right on <clears throat> oh, okay my second pick which is off of green day's third album the 1994 hit dookie is called all by myself
1: that's your third album
2: yeah i thought it was their first album 39 Smooth, and Kerplunk. Nobody listened
1: to those. Those don't count. You would
0: think it was their first album, hoser.
1: I was alone. I was all by myself. No one was looking. I was thinking of you. Oh yeah, did I mention? I was all by myself. All by myself.
2: All by myself. All right, so I guess it seems like every two or three episodes, I end up having a song that is about masturbation or happens (laughs) to mention masturbation. Sensing a theme. This time, the entire song is centered on it. It's written and performed by drummer Frank Edwin Wright III.
0: Nobody calls him that.
2: Better known by his stage name, Trey Cool.
0: There he is. There he is. (laughs)
1: Nobody was looking, I was thinking of you.
2: So I think the song was recorded at a home studio during a party and you can just hear people listening and talking behind them. And, you know, it's one of those things. And Trey Cool will occasionally play All By Myself live, usually with Dominated Love Slave, which is off their second album, Kerplunk, that he also wrote. going to go into Dave's territory and talk about business for a second. Green Day is probably the most successful punk band of all time. Dookie, which the band wanted to title Liquid Dookie, but the label said no.
1: It's <laughs> <That's> better. <laughs> yes. Oh man, it's too bad. <laughs> Liquid Dookie. It's like you had some Wendy's fries and mixed it in with a frosty, and now you got Liquid
2: Dookie. You know. <laughs> so it sold 22 million copies. Holy shit balls! Yeah, that's wild, right? That's I that had is, it. I I mean I was I one of them. I had it too. Yeah, yeah.
0: So twenty two million records.
2: Twenty two million records. And uh, this is going to go back to a previous episode when we were talking about grunge bands refusing to embrace success and fame. Oh yeah, Green Day totally did. They uh, they loved having money and fame. They jumped at the opportunity to record in better studios, play bigger venues, and watch their fan base grow. But I went back and watched uh, the, their 1994 Chicago Live on on YouTube. Dude, those guys were meth hounds. It is hilarious. <laughs> They're so twitchy. Really? Oh, my God. Have you watched this video? <laughs> They're so twitchy and aggressive. And, like, the spit flinging from Billy Joe's mouth is just, like, fireworks shooting out it's it's hilarious when he addresses a crowd like there's just no doubt he is just cranked
0: up it is oh they were also not into pubic hair if i remember correctly yeah
2: Yeah, definitely (laughs) anti-bush yeah but they were also in that same that same uh rock against bush but they're in the second volume
0: thanks russ those are great. I love, I love both of those. When
2: masturbation's lost
1: its fun, listen to Russ songs about masturbation. Da-da-da-da. Quick
0: aside there, I, I don't know that that's ever happened for me. It's always been fun. I've always enjoyed it. Oh, always.
1: You never had like a a three timer and like in a day, and you're like the on the last one, you're just like, what am yeah. I doing with my life? No. <laughs> No, I have not. I've always celebrated the three timers. <laughs> it's like Wow man, you did three? That's awesome. Yeah, you just need you need a little bit of extra to get you through that third one. That's why you gotta visit my Munchhausen fetish room. And that's what's really gonna get you over the edge on that last one. Watching all the sneezing and wheezing. Oh yeah. Ooh, get a tissue, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so um, uh, my
0: tracks. I'm going to start off with uh, a track that uh, is at the end of uh, a fantastic record by the one and only Miss Lauren Hill. Her solo album, her only solo studio album, The Miseducation of Lauren Hill. And that song is Can't Take My Eyes Off You.
2: You're just too good to be true. Can't take my
0: eyes off of you. You'd be like heaven to touch I want to hold you so much At all last love has arrived And I thank God I'm alive
1: You're just too good to be true Can't take my eyes off you
0: It was the first hip hop record to win Album of the Year, which is insane. She was uh, she was dating Wyclef and then like that fell apart, and she was pregnant, and uh, not with his baby, but it was the end of that relationship that that led her to to walk away from the Fugees and and, and do this record. It's funny because this song wasn't originally um, included on the record. They recorded this song, and they were going to release it on the soundtrack to conspiracy theory but then it didn't actually get released on the soundtrack but a dj got a hold of it and like burned a copy and started playing it in southern california and then it just like it blew up and it became this huge hit and then they were like oh i guess i guess we gotta put it on the record and it was this big big hit for her and it drove a lot of sales it's this really interesting track because she was eight months pregnant when she recorded it and the dude who who did the the recording with her was uh, recounting the story of, she's just eight months pregnant and she's lying on her back in the apartment where they've got everything set up.
1: You're not supposed to lie on your back when you're eight months pregnant. It's bad for the baby and bad for mom. She was 21. She
0: didn't know. She didn't. She didn't have Whoopi Goldberg there to help her with that. Like, <laughs> they were in a movie together. They were in Sister Act two together. That's why they they know each other. But um, yeah,
1: I got that. It was just me and you and one other person <laughs> in the world that understood what you're talking about.
0: But uh, yeah, so her version was, was uh, also uh, nominated for the uh, Grammy in, 20, in 1999 for Best Female Vocal Pop Performance. It's also the first hidden track of all time to be nominated for a Grammy, which is kind of interesting.
1: Oh, that's interesting, dude. That's why it tops all the secret track top ten lists. If you go out and look on the Googles at top ten lists, it's at the top of all of them. Is it on there? I'm not saying that it's unoriginal of you to select that one. <laughs> it's the it's the song that sold this record.
0: No, it's fantastic. It's a uh, it's a uh, it's a good one, and and I love it. But I will uh, transition from that one to my next track, which is. Um, off of the 1998 studio album, sixth studio album by Beck, that is the album Mutations and the track is Diamond Bollocks.
2: Looking back at some dead world that looks so
1: new With Offices and fountains that they
2: name for you So grateful to the who's to what's in space Perilous
1: confections look so out of place
0: Diamond bollocks is actually loosely translated to English as hard nuts, <laughs> hard <laughs> testicles. So it's, it's kind of a, a song about getting real, real in your plums, nice, down and, and dirty also produced by nigel godrich which is interesting full circle there was it yeah i think he had a similar conversation because like jeff was talking about with travis this track is very different from the rest of the record i would say like uh uh and even kind of the way that that beck recants the story he talks about how they've been writing a lot of folk songs and a lot of dirges and just like sad stuff and and like they'd been in the studio for 10 days and and they went in and he was like man i just i think we need to get our cockles warm and have some fun and and like and really get rock and roll with it and uh so they spent the whole day and they wrote and recorded eight different tracks that uh, they then ultimately like cut up and turned into this one song it's like as you listen to it it's like a six minute track and it has very clear kind of like segments where you, they transition or like things sound different. And it's, it's a very different song from, I think, the rest of Mutations. But I, I do, I do really love it. It was also released as like a B side to, uh, Seven Inch that was included with the, the vinyl, uh, version of the album, which is a nice little collectible if you, uh, if you're into that type of thing. But, um, you know, Beck's one of my musical heroes and, and, uh, Uh, just the way that he continues to sort of grow as a musician and change the way that his style uh, continues to evolve. It was like after this record that he went to do uh, the Midnight Vultures record, which is, I think, my favorite of his. But um, I think you start to see a little bit of what Midnight Vultures is going to be uh, in this track, which um, they originally said they wanted to include as like the second track on the album. But then it didn't really fit, and so he he said, "Well, let's put it in as a secret song." So it's it's a wild, raucous ride for sure.
2: It's cool. I love that he uh, that he just mined his own songs and like created a new one out of them. That's awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. I and mean, we didn't even touch on any of the like the the pre-track tracks where it's like you only have a minute right uh, in the zero space. If you go to one and then back up, it's a whole other little CD trick. But like. You know, there were a couple of interesting ones there, but they're all so short because they're limited to that one minute time frame. I didn't I didn't want to go with any of those. But yeah, so those are our uh, our six picks for the week. And uh, thanks, listener, for joining us. Of course, all of the uh, picks from today's episode are going to be in the Spotify playlist that you will find in the show notes. So join us next episode for talking about family songs, parents singing about their kids and kids singing about their parents. And as always, we thank you for being here. We appreciate it. Uh, Do like and uh, subscribe. You know, leave us a comment. Shoot us an email if you've got uh, notes or corrections for any of Jeffro's stupid takes. (laughs) Until then, we'll see you. Keep jamming. This week's episode was produced by the Makuchi twins, Philip and Sharon.
1: (laughs) The Makuchi twins. (laughs) Sharon (laughs) Makuchi.
0: edited by Dixon Cunts with special thanks as always to Dixie Rekt
1: funny every time